Chainsaw Matinee. Everybody take your seats. We have such sights to show you. I'm Kai. I'm Marty. I'm Hannah. I'm Lissa. Welcome back. Hello, it's always great to be here. It's always the best time. And you were the one who suggested talking about Marble Horn. Well, you suggested talking about the movie, but... Me being a completionist was like, but we gotta watch the series too, because I had never seen it. I don't think any of the other three of us had seen it. Nope. I mean, I think I've watched nope. a couple episodes with you when we were in college, but I didn't absorb them. I remember the first few episodes we watched together um, in our dorm room, and um, we just yep. never got beyond season one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I I mean, I definitely remember hearing about it a lot when it came out. Like, it was such a big deal. But I was still in my scaredy cat phase. Like, I was just starting to explore horror. And I think, like, <laughs> internet horror video was just too much for me at that time. Yeah, that makes sense. Especially Marble Hornets really did a good job of, like, no, this is real. I promise you, this is real. So yeah, this is like the closest kind of... thing we got to like the Blair Witch Project. Yeah, I was about to yes. say like it's kind of like what we talked about in our Blair Witch video of like, and this whole thing of analog horror in general. I think that's the appeal of it for a lot of people is it just feels more realistic because you're watching it through YouTube and not like on a theater screen, and that element of immersion is just a lot more present. And the way it's filmed, like, it's kind of amateur-ish, sort of. Um, and it makes it feel like, oh, like, a real person could have filmed this. This isn't made by a professional crew. And I think that just really adds to the level of immersion. Mm -hmm. That with the, um, also the Twitter element of, like, updates on Twitter. Like, oh, I'm going to be uploading this entry tonight. And the, uh updating of the entries being posted also really helps with the immersion of that like this is real life i promise you <laughs> yeah with the different account yeah. posting the response videos to um the videos because i think i was looking in the comments uh because i love people's responses to this and it seems like youtube used to have a direct response video option that this that. um <laughs> really took advantage of yeah, I really remember the video replies on um, early YouTube because that a mm -hmm. lot of YouTube horror took advantage of the video replies. Uh, the one thing I really remember about uh, video replies was um, Neil Cicerega made a video called Sin Neil Death Threats. <laughs> and, uh, oh my god, no. Video replied to that. Um, <laughs> yeah. I wasn't really into like the horror community on YouTube until much later. Yeah, mm -hmm. um, but I think we can definitely say for sure this, this series had a lasting impact. Um, oh, yeah. 
So, for those unfamiliar with Marble Hornets, this, um, to put it bluntly, this is about Slenderman. <laughs> Surprise! Slenderman! He's called <laughs> the Operator, okay? <laughs> yeah, okay, he's called the Operator. I was um, gonna say that. <laughs> fake fan over here. Operator, won't you help me make this call? <laughs> He really Jim likes Crouchy. Jim Crouchy was talking about Slenderman the entire yeah. time. Yeah. <laughs> it all makes sense now. Yep. Um, the extended Slenderman universe. <laughs> <laughs> it goes all the way back to the 1970s with Jim Crouchy. So, he was at Woodstock, y'all. Uh, someone should Photoshop that. <laughs> like Slenderman is at Woodstock wearing like a flower crown. Please. And, like, smoking a joint. <laughs> Um, speaking That's of, where there the bad was acid a, came from. There was a parody video of Marble Hornets done by Neil Cesariga called The Splendor Man. It's very cute. No. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's like a really, he's like a really tall guy in a uh, suit with like polka dots all over it. And he's wearing like a little like party hat and like they drew like a big like happy face on him. And he gives people flowers. <laughs> yeah. That's beautiful. Yes. Oh, God, I love that. 2009 was a interesting time. Yeah, so um, I want to talk about the creation of Slenderman. So the Slenderman mythos came about from a forum thread on the Something Awful forums. They used to have these Photoshop contests, and a lot of websites still do this. Like, Reddit still does this, and it can be really entertaining sometimes. But they had this Photoshop contest of, like, make a creepy image. And so um, one user created the this image of Slenderman. And he made a few. And then, like, the entire forum thread really responded to this picture. And people started jumping on and adding little bits, like, their own Photoshopped photos. And little bits and pieces of lore. And... Within a week, Marble Hornets had been created, which is essentially a found footage YouTube series about a, a group of film students who have an encounter with the Slenderman, or the Operator, as they call him, because he wasn't officially called Slenderman yet. Um, this, for all intents and purposes, this is basically modern folklore. Mm -hmm. And I think that is very cool that these people, like that, you know, all these different people have added bits and pieces to this lore. And, um, and that kind of extends to like the concept of creepypasta in general. Mm -hmm. It's really, it's just internet folk tales. And yeah. I think that's awesome. Oh, yeah. I also love and, that there are, like, different interpretations, because that does happen in folklore, too. Like, yeah. you get, like, all kinds of people saying, oh, no, he's not really like that, he's more like this, and, like, yeah. yeah. or we've seen, like, like, the Splendor Man, there are, like, nicer interpretations <laughs> of Slender Man, of, like, oh, he's not really, like, trying to hurt people, he is just misunderstood, or, like, he wants this or that, and so I think that's fun, too. But Especially, what if this big creepy guy was nice to me specifically? <laughs> <laughs> well, that is the appeal. Well, and his design further lends itself to that because he has mm -hmm. no face, which means there's nothing you can really, like you can project whatever you want onto yeah. him. And it is in some way 
valid because you just you don't know. Mm-hmm. He's got no face. Why not? Uh, um. So, but also he's so interesting because his design is just this suit. So it um implies this sense of power yeah. um due to like the social signs we've been trained to know. So like we know he has some kind of ability and some kind of control because of that signifier. But we are unaware as to what and how because of the lack of face. So it's like this very clear um, signifier with very unclear intent as to what it will do. So I think that's also very um, clever in its yeah. design. Yeah. Um, so what, I'll ask everyone, what is the first time you remember hearing about Slenderman? Um, I think I was in high school. I was, like, 15, maybe, and, like, I guess there were, like, memes on Tumblr about it. I kind of, I didn't really know anything about Slenderman until, like, I started getting into more, like, communities of kids who liked horror stuff, Mm -hmm. um, which... I don't know, I guess I could have ran into some stuff on DeviantArt, but, like, I didn't go to any other, like, web forums or anything like that until later, um, and I kind of just stuck to, like, Tumblr and DeviantArt where I could just, like, search the things I was interested in and, like, look at those and not really talk about anything else. (laughs) What about y'all? Um, for me, it- it was um, the video game. My cousins uh, yeah. had um, it had us play it in the dark in the basement, and kind of we all got our chance to try to get all the pages. And um, I hadn't really been exposed to the folklore too much until after that, when I would go on the internet and see other people play it. Um, I remember specifically one video that I loved watching was eleven drunk men playing Slenderman. Um, <laughs> if I look back at internet. it now, I think it's very stupid and probably hasn't aged well but i remember at the time it was very funny i I watched all of the 11 drunk guys videos i loved those (laughs) i did not know about those i knew about like markiplier playing it or like pewdiepie like back before everyone found out he was a (laughs) neo-nazi wasn't that part of how markiplier kind of got his start yeah it was like five nights at freddy's uh slender man it was just like all of those like creepy pasta games that kids really focused on yeah it's like mm-hmm. the stuff that he was playing i remember it was so big that smosh played it when they started their gaming channel yeah i remember, yeah, that, I too. remember that too yeah I think Everyone- and again it. now that i'm watching marble hornets i see just how much this um the games took from this media, like the pa- the idea of the pages, the Slenderman, the woods, the kind of burnt out locations in the middle of nowhere. Like mm-hmm. it all stems from this web series. Mm-hmm. Um, I think similar to you, Hannah, my first encounter with Slenderman was also through the game, like watching Let's Plays of it on YouTube. And my brother was actually really into watching those. And so we would, like, sit together and watch those. And I'm sure, like, I think even before that, I saw pictures of Slender Man online. But I didn't really know, like, the context behind it until later. And then, like, we would watch the Let's Plays of the games. And uh, then, yeah, it went from there. I remember, like, it was one of those things where, like, you see it, like, 
you hear about it once and you're like, oh, that's cool. And then like the next day, suddenly everybody's talking about it. That's kind mm-hmm. of how I felt about Slender Man. It's like, yeah. suddenly it just exploded in popularity and everyone was talking about it. They were referencing it everywhere. People were drawing like, like I was into Gravity Falls at the time. People were drawing fan art of Slender Man in the background of Gravity Falls. Oh, yeah. Falls. I remember that, too. I remember that. Um, it was kind of fun. Like, again, it's just this kind of, like, folklore that you can really insert your own interpretation into. So people were just doing mm-hmm. all sorts of different stuff with it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I saw a lot of... Um... I can't remember the name of it, but it was like a a house in the middle of the woods that all the creepy pasta characters lived oh, in. Oh yeah, it's like oh, what if yeah. all of these characters I liked had a sleepover? <laughs> yeah. That was a big thing back in like 2012, 2013 was the sleepover trope, or like I guess found people, family, but they all live in the same place. They used like, to do that with the Avengers yep. too. Like that was yes. like. And Loki of, is there for some reason. Yeah. Everyone forgave him. <laughs> that was like the premise of every Avengers fan fiction was like it basically boiled down to like they all have a sleepover in Stark Tower. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. Silly shenanigans happen. Yeah. Yep. That, that time also had the uh the creepypasta fandom, so it was just like Jeff the Killer mm-hmm. and Slenderman are best friends, actually. Oh uh, my god, okay. it's still alive. Every time well. we... Like I looked up <laughs> I looked up um, Marble Hornets on, like, TikTok and Tumblr, and oh my god, the community is thriving, and it still smells, tastes, and acts like 2013 in a nutshell. Oh my god. Wonderful. Every every time I think about, like, the creepypasta fandom on Tumblr, I always think about this one post that's, like, some random girl from my school saying, ew, creepypasta sucks, and then, like, Jeff the Killer shows up, and... They're like, no, Jeff, don't do it. You're better than this. And then, and then, it says Slenderman comes up behind me and slaps my ass. <laughs> and then they're, they're, it, it was just like, and then the ending it just says Jeff the Killer, like Jeff colon the Killer. Jeez. My God. Well, yeah, Lisa, what about you? So I same was the games, uh, because the games came out or got popular right as Marble Hornets was ending. Because Marble Hornets mm-hmm. ended in, like, 2012. Um, and I only know this because one of my really good friends from high school was obsessed with Marble Hornets. Like, he watched all of it. He watched the spinoff series of, like, Every Everyman Hybrid and Tribe 12. He watched all of them. So much so that at one point, um, one weekend, he was like, hey, I think I want to make my own series and I have a spot that I want to like film at. And he and I were just walking around this like wooded park next to a lake out around where he lives and we were just walking together and he's like so this is my idea and I was thinking like right here we could do this and and maybe like over there we can do this and we were just hanging we spent like the entire day at this park that's cool that's really cool that's beautiful yeah he was like super duper into it and then and then after a second it just like fully fell off I remember I actually one of my notebooks from high school I believe still has he wrote the operator symbol on my notebook (laughs) <laughs> oh wonderful so, spooky yeah very spooky 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 
Um, I just wanted to check really quick to see when the last episode of Marvel Hornets aired. And it was like June 20th of 2014. So we've got a couple months until the the 10 year anniversary. Oh my god. That makes me feel old. Yeah. (laughs) I wonder Uh, if they're going to do anything for it. Because I know last I heard, um, the guys who made Marble Hornets, like, do not talk anymore. They, like, had really big creative differences. They were going to make a follow up series called Clear Lakes 44. And partway through that, they split due to creative differences. And Uh. one of them still was, like, making stuff. Like, they made a... He made a, a... Um... I made a deal for a comic book deal that was, like, five regular issues and one to the arc issue. Um, oh, yeah. On. I think... I think those started coming out. Um, they're... Yes. Uh, they were illustrated by Trevor Henderson, who's, like, really uh, popularly known on the internet for doing the Siren Head stuff. Oh, cool. um, I think cool. that I that they that. started doing that before Siren Head got really big, so like that was mm-hmm. kind of cool. The third issue came <laughs> out really this cool. year. I know that. I don't remember when this year. I just know this year. But that's what Troy's been doing. I have no clue what Joseph has been doing. I think he did a Q and A within the last five years um, about can it. You- can you um, tell us who these oh, the, the yes. people are? Because I don't know <laughs> their real names. Um, <laughs> Troy is Jay, who is the guy that we follow throughout the entire series, really. Um, okay. Joseph is Alex Crayley. Okay. And then Tim Sutton is Tim Wright. Tim just used his oh. name. Uh, Tim and, is just Tim. Yeah. As far as I know, uh, Tim has done a couple Q&A live streams every so often and while we were in college I think he got married so that's nice okay (laughs) yeah good for him yeah yeah but that is all I know of their current whereabouts yeah um so do you know um anyone else how this whole thing started like how they got together to make this I think they were just friends Weren't they film students? They might. I think so. And I think they were just friends who were like, what if we did this? Which is like the best vibes. Like having been in film school, I mean, that's how all of us met. Yeah. Yeah. It's, this, mm-hmm. it's so much fun and there's... to make stuff with your friends. Yeah. And there's very much uh, that vibe. I saw some bloopers of them making the thing and you get that vibe of like, oh, we're friends fucking around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's really. I nice. do want to say also um, that the series was mostly filmed in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, which is where I used to live. Oh, your Tuscaloosa Yay. heart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I did like a lot of the scenes in the woods with like those really, really tall, skinny pine trees. That was like super familiar to me because that's like what it used to look like when I went camping mm-hmm. when my family lived in Alabama. It was a little nostalgic. I was like, oh, I remember those trees. That's pretty cool. (laughs) That's cute. Yeah. You can see why they would put a giant slender man in those trees. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, I definitely can. Um, So, would, let's, let's delve into the plot of this. Um, I want to be concise because there's a lot that happens. Oh, yeah. But I think we can 
we don't have to tell everything. We can just kind of give the basic overview. So, um, Lissa, do you do you feel comfortable starting us off? Absolutely. Um, do you want to <laughs> break this down by season, or do you want to just say it all, go through? Um, I think breaking it down by season could be a good structure. Then it kind of gives cool. us a chance to talk about each season. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Can I be season honest? One. I did not know there were seasons. I just put on the playlist of 97 videos and said, let's fucking go. Yeah. Yeah. Ours was like 130 something. Um, I think that yeah. also included the To The Ark stuff. Yeah. I, I watched the To The Ark stuff as well. Okay. I don't. There were a couple of them where it was like they had like 130 videos versus like 90 videos. Videos. <laughs> So I just clicked the one that was longer because I figured that was the one that had all of the stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cool. I so, don't know if I watched uh, all of it then. I don't so, I don't know if all of that well, was I feel like supplementary or I not. I feel either. like we all got the gist of it though. Yeah. It's like yeah. one of the things it's like even if you don't watch every single episode, you kinda still can understand the general story. Yeah. Yeah. So season one. Season one goes all the way up until um, the Marble Hornets video entry number 26. um, That covers... uh, We're talking from the point of view of Jay. Jay says, hey, I found this bag of tapes in the back of my closet that I realized I got from my friend Alex. We went to film school together. He uh, was in the middle of making a student film, and uh, out of nowhere, he just stopped and left. Um, Before he left, though, I asked him what he was going to do with the tapes. He said he was going to burn them, so I took them, and I just found them, so I'm going through them now. Um, Hey, there's this weird dude that's in, like, half of the videos. Also, I'm watching these videos, not in chronological order, because none of them are labeled, of course, Um, and... uh, Alex has has been betraying or portraying some uh, weird behavior. Like he's really anxious and paranoid, and is filming himself all the time. Like half of these tapes aren't even actual Marble Hornets footage; they're just him filming himself. And this weird dude is in all of these videos. How crazy is that? Um, and uh, it's really season one is really just we're establishing our characters. Um, so we've got Jay who's our main character. He's here to figure out what the heck is going on and why Alex left. We got Alex, who is... He's insane at this point. Um, He does a good job of kind of covering it up, but he's insane at this point. Um, And we've got uh, Brian and Tim, um, who are the actors. Um, Those are our four main characters that we're following. Brian is kind of just, like, happy to be here. And Tim is uh, a little irritated with Alex's um, behavior, but Tim is also, you know, just kind of happy to be hanging out with his friends. Um, Mm -hmm. We also have two side characters, one who literally in the entire series is only on screen two times, um, but he's behind the camera a few times, and that is Seth. He is the cameraman for Marble Hornets. Um, and, uh, the other one is Sarah. She is the girl actress, um, 
who I think we really only see or hear about her in season one. Um, at one point, Alex says, everyone's gone. Sarah is gone. And I think that and the times we've seen her on screen are the only times Sarah really gets referenced. Um, yeah. Yeah, I didn't really remember seeing her very much. Yeah. But mm-hmm. um, I remember just her in the Marble Hornets scenes themselves. Yeah. Yeah, it's and we'll get to this later obviously, but um there is a theory that she is the original to the Ark member, but I don't really know that theory that well. I subscribe to the other theory on who the original to the Ark member is just cuz I think that has more credence to it. So, you talking about? Are we so, gonna? Are you gonna tell us? Let's talk about. Let's talk about to the arc real fast and what that is. So yeah. Okay. As yeah. Jay is uploading these videos to his YouTube channel of these are the tapes I'm uncovering. Another YouTube channel called To the Arc starts making response videos to him, and um, it's always very cryptic messages implying like I'm watching you and. Um, they're all really creepy, but they don't make a whole lot of sense. It's and really it's fun. Right There's a lot that. of codes, yeah. too. Oh, yeah. It's really like, fun. Yeah. Like, once you finish it, taking a step back and looking at the bigger picture and being like, oh, my gosh, you've been telling us from the beginning what's going to happen and what is like mm-hmm. going on here. And you've been telling us to get out since day one. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's also just a fun tone shift because I really look forward to the to the arc videos because spoiler alert after a while I I don't think I was viewing this the way it was intended to be viewed and after a while I did start to glaze over but then the to the arc videos always kind of brought my attention right back because it's mm-hmm. more of an uh, like artistic kind of like symbols and lots of changing of the color grade and um a lot of static and a lot of like cool subliminal messages encoding and a lot of really interesting art design and that always like wrapped my attention i'm like oh and i love going to the comments section and seeing people decode it and discuss and have theories and that made this really interactive so the two of the arc videos are probably my favorite part of this series mm-hmm. also along with that i uh light spoilers that kind of almost outright tells you what the hints in season two um to the arc is three people and it's really interesting seeing like while they're all these weird artistic things uh it's interesting seeing like oh i can tell that that video is done by this person because of the way they made it like this and the imagery Mm -hmm. they used in it Mm -hmm. i started noticing that too like towards the end of the series i could kind of pick up on like a little bit more of that oh Um, yeah it's it's so cool because in season two really is when they start using to the arc at a certain point season two barely is even communicating with jay at all they're communicating with each other using that channel Mm -hmm. it's like it's really cool so and they do play into the end of season one because the to the arc channel hacks jay's channel and um, posts a video to it, and it freaks him out so much that he flees and goes and ends up staying in this hotel. And there's a pretty significant gap of time. There's a seven-month 
time gap between seasons one and two. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then starting in season two, we pick back up with Jay, where he's staying in this hotel and he cannot remember the last seven months. Um, I so love that, that narrative structure. Him trying to, yeah, it is. I liked that development a lot, and then you kind of see him trying to piece together what happened. Um, the like, oh, here's the tapes of the last seven months. Let me watch all of these and see what happened with you guys. Like, ugh, I love it. Yeah, the mystery element of it all. Mm-hmm. I do love that mystery element. That was very compelling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing that I vaguely wanted to talk about was it really starts in season one, um, but it's fun the entire way through. Uh, the first time I really watched Marble Hornets through was with a couple of our other friends from college. Um, and uh, the operator is in the background of um, like over half of the videos. And so mm-hmm. we would sit there and we played what we called Spot the Op, where it was just like, <laughs> oh, there he is. Oh, he's right there. <laughs> it was one of my favorite That's fun. things. That's uh, Entry 17. Is one of my favorites. Uh, highly recommend uh, going back and watching that one because um, it seems super duper uneventful. Uh, but there's two things about it that make me absolutely love it. It's well, I guess three things. It's one of the first really big introductions of Tim as a character, um, and he is my favorite mm-hmm. character. I love Tim. Um, I love Tim. It's got yeah, I quite like Tim also. <sighs> Tim, Tim is. Tim is the poorest little meow meow, and I love him so much. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's got a really nice operator placement because the entire frame is situated on Tim in front of this window with, like, Venetian blinds um, while he's filming a scene for Marble Hornets. And the Venetian blinds are white, and it's broad daylight outside. But the operator is, like, right at the window, so you can really only see, like, the collar of his suit and then his, like, white head. But you can't really see it because of how bright it is and how white the blinds are and stuff like that. So it's, like, very subtle, but he's very there. Um, yeah. And then it, at the end of that entry is the first time of uh, one of the symptoms of operator sickness, Jay being like, oh, yeah, I have no clue that, like, I do not remember this at all. I have no recollection of this. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it's just a really nice, like, subtle first few entries i think yeah um yeah so we do get like there is a running theme of like prolonged exposure to the operator causes like you said operator sickness people start coughing a lot uh memory loss Uh, there's those are a few of the most prominent symptoms which I all of the characters experience at some point throughout mm-hmm. the series. I saw a thing that um, was saying that operator sickness is akin to drowning. You exempt... Uh, uh, mm. What's the word I'm looking for? Display a lot of the um, same symptoms when you are like recovering from drowning of like coughing... Instead of coughing up water, they're coughing up blood. Um, the uh, haziness, the fog, all that stuff. Hmm. 
Hmm. That's pretty cool. So, yeah. Um. So we do, we also have, like, there's these other, so we have the operator, and there's these other mysterious characters. There's a masked figure and a hooded figure. And they'll show up sometimes in the videos, attack main characters. You don't really know what their motives are. Um, and then throughout season two, we have the storyline of Jay discovering through his videotapes that he's recovered that he had gone to find Alex. And um, there's a lot of back and forth with him and Alex. I think, like, throughout the whole series, I would say just the theme is, like, you don't really know different characters' motivations. So you don't really know who to trust. Mm -hmm. We also meet a character, Jessica, who is staying in the same hotel as Jay, and she also has memory loss. And, um... Yeah, there's just a lot of, like, investigation, back and forth. Um... To give away, I mean, spoiler warning for a 10-year-old show, it is revealed that Tim is the masked figure. And, but again, we don't really know quite what his motives are yet. I think um, it was a good idea for them to reveal, because you, you, we find out that Tim is masky pretty early on in season one. And mm -hmm. I think it's a it was a good idea for the reveal because of the hints they dropped in season one were so, like, hit you over the head obvious. I mean, there was the second masky attack when he's wearing the jacket, and then the entry right after that has Tim walking into a Marble Hornets thing wearing the jacket. Like, they were like, hey, by the way... If you have eyes, you can see this is the same person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, also, like, yeah, like, I wasn't surprised and I guessed pretty fast that it was Tim. And then I was able to figure out who the hooded figure was pretty fast based on, like, oh, we have only been introduced to a limited cast of characters. So there's not <laughs> that many possibilities. Mm -hmm. But I think that the yeah. big mystery here, it's not so much concerned about figuring out who these figures are it's more about what are their motives like are they helping mm -hmm. or are they trying to hurt the main characters and i think that's kind of what the intrigue of the series depends on mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. i don't know in that way like i thought it was kind of intriguing um so we do find out later on the hooded figure is brian who's the other actor in the film and he and Tim are part of To the Ark. And we never find out for certain who the third member is. But, Lissa, you said you have a theory? Yes. So I've seen this theory across the internet, and I really think it holds a lot of credence. Uh, uh, I I really like it. Um, so uh, they say the operator sickness is a lot like drowning. Um, the... Uh, there's one member of To the Ark where most of his um, uh, videos have water imagery, rain, uh, lakes, things like that. Lots of water imagery. Um, and there's only one person who we really definitively see um, being kind of messed with by Alex the entire time. And then... Um, 
specifically we see Alex luring him to the operator and the operator does something to him. Um, and we won't, we only see this character twice on screen. Once is Alex berating him. And the second is him taking cover with Tim and Jay from a storm. And that character is Seth, the cameraman. Mm-hmm. And that would that explain, would sense. that would explain why to the arc is so adamant about finding and killing Alex and keeping Jay away from Alex is because to the arc being Seth means that he knows how cruel Alex is and what Alex is trying to do by mm-hmm. killing everyone. That that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> I um, like I said I'd seen that before and I was like that yeah, I don't you could tell me however that theory that Sarah is to the arc fits, but I won't believe it. I think it's Seth. <laughs> yeah, I could definitely see that. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, like you brought up, we do, uh, towards the end of the series, it becomes more and more apparent that Alex is really the villain. Mm-hmm. And um, at first, like you think, especially in season two, that he and Jay are like trying to help each other and work together, but... Then slowly you see more of Alex's unhinged side, and um, uh, you do see him bring, you see him kill a man and bring the body to the operator. So mm-hmm. Alex is working in league with the operator. For what purpose, we don't really know, but I think it's kind of better that way. You don't really need to know. Um... And so it becomes apparent. Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, I did see uh, this idea earlier. I I really only rewatched season one because I've seen Marble Hornets so many times. Um, So I just watched kind of recaps of season two and three to prepare for this. Um, And the person I watched the recaps of had some interesting ideas. Um... And one of them, I was like, oh, that that does make a lot of sense, was that Alex isn't necessarily working with the operator. He's just trying to get rid of everyone from the original Marble Hornet set because somebody had to bring him there. Somebody had to bring the operator that's, there. And so if he kills everyone, that's then what he's I thought too. covering his bases. <laughs> yeah, the way I thought... Um, of it was he's suffering the same operator sickness as the others, but he's reacting violently to it. Like he, he's kind of working in league like Tim was, but he, he didn't know why or how. And then when he woke up and gained consciousness, he's reacting violently and taking it out on everyone else and trying to eliminate everything. So it stops. That's how, that was my interpretation. I guess we should probably Ah. cover season three real quick also. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Run us through season three. Uh, so season three um, does this thing that I absolutely adore, where I feel like it really takes the narrative focus away from Jay and puts it onto Tim. Because in season three, mm-hmm. we slowly, like, Jay, it starts out with Jay following Tim around. And then more and more of the footage is instead of coming from Jay's camera, it's coming from Tim's camera. And it's all from Tim's point of view now because. In the end, we realize this has actually been Tim's story the entire time. Um, mm-hmm. 
because we find out uh, there's a f- another location that's an abandoned hospital. We find out that this abandoned hospital is where Tim was kept as a kid for um, schizophrenic breaks um, because he was seeing hallucinations. But what it turns out is those hallucinations weren't hallucinations. They were real. It was the operator. Um, he's been carrying this since he was a kid. And um, so it's he thinks that he is the reason that this is happening to everyone because he brought it upon everyone. Um, all of his memory mm-hmm. blackouts and stuff are all operator sickness because he's been dealing with the operator his entire life. Um, he, the only reason he had any semblance of getting better at all is because he had antipsychotics, uh, that were prescribed to him that we find out throughout the third season, Hoodie has been stealing, um, and we know Hoodie is Brian. Hoodie, uh, er, Brian is Tim's best friend. He states it many times throughout the entire series, um, so Brian, uh, has been dealing with operator sickness before everyone else because he knew Tim first, um, and all this stuff. And, and, uh, Jay dies, gets killed by Alex, um, and the operator takes him away. Um, and Tim ends up in a confrontation, uh, Hoodie dies, and that's how we get the reveal that Hoodie is Brian, um, because, uh, Tim is chasing Hoodie throughout their final location, and Hoodie falls off of or falls out of a window in this like school building they're in, and uh, dies. Um, Alex blames Tim. Alex is like, "Everyone's dying, and it's all your fault. You're the one who brought everything here." And uh, in the end, Tim gets everyone out, gets Jessica help, gets her um, on the meds that have kept the operator at bay from him the entire time and uh tim mm-hmm. leaves and it ends with tim coming to a uh literal crossroads <laughs> <laughs> okay. i will also say the actor who plays tim i don't know if he's he considers himself an actor but his performance is the best in my opinion and they oh did a God. good job <laughs> with the casting too because a lot of the emotional weight rides on tim and his responses to what's going on around him and there are a lot of moments where you're like huh you can tell they're not professional actors but tim is really giving a great performance so i just want to give a shout out to him and the others are doing great for what the material deserves too but tim is truly a standout his monologue yeah. in the hospital as he's telling jay about like this is all my fault and you never should have met me Oh my god. Or there's Emotions. one um, this was probably my favorite segment when Tim has his little breakdown where it's just a video of him like getting overwhelmed by it and there's one bit where he like hits the the wall of the the burned out hospital with a crowbar and he like falls into the lake and he's just screaming and he's like what do you want from me and he's crying in the corner and it's just a really really well done um descent into um despair and then you kind of see the motivation of why he comes back and is like okay i'll help you now Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's so good yeah tim tim is the best (laughs) yeah i will second that i i think i liked him the best out of all the characters yeah i really like him too even though he kept coughing into the camera and he wouldn't cover his mouth (laughs) 
hey, this was He might have been. We were seeing him in all those shots. <laughs> I I did see a comment um on one of the videos I was watching that was uh somebody said, Yeah, the reason Tim keeps coughing is because he's smoking in every single scene. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there is too. a lot of smoking in this show. Also, can um, I say the uh the concrete reveal that Brian is hoodie was so good to me because it's Mm-hmm. One episode is we see the Tim chasing Hoodie and Hoodie dying. And then Tim takes a tape from Hoodie's pocket. And then when he plays the tape, that's like the next entry. And it's Brian's audition video for Marble Hornets. And he walks in wearing the hoodie. Mm-hmm. That really mm-hmm. was like, ah, oh, to me. Like, that really they, grabbed okay. my heart. <laughs> The thing about that entry specifically was that, like, when I was watching it, I thought it was a fake out. Like, they were going to be like, oh, hey, it's been fake all along. Because uh, they have uh, they have Alex saying, like, oh, the characters in this are named Brian and Tim. And uh, one of them has sideburns and smokes a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, are you fucking kidding me right now? But then it turns out, like, oh, like... He he wrote this and like I guess Tim grew the sideburns out for it and then just kept them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, was kind of funny. I was like, are are they seriously pulling this right now? <laughs> Is this April Fool's so, Day? That movie from the eighties. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the big question: What are our overall impressions of Marble Hornets? I personally love Marble Hornets. I think it is, um, not only is it, like, a very historically important internet sensation, um, but also I think for what it is, for what it needed to be, it exactly did its job. Um, the, the, like, student film acting done in the beginning, like, when we're seeing more of the actual Marble Hornets footage, like, there's a scene where it's they're in a car filming a scene for Brian um and he only gets through it once before Alex sees the operator and drives off but uh Brian's just like shitty little like yeah man I don't know it's like I came back to this town and everybody seems to have uh grown up and I don't know if it's me or the town and I'm like dude oh, your yeah. delivery yeah, it's kind of... That brought back a lot of memories goofy. of working on yeah. student film. Oh my god, <laughs> it did. Um, I quite like this, especially more towards the end where um, like you get some more concrete evidence of things and like they're you know, kind of showing you how things work in this and it's not just like kind of vague introductions to a concept. Um... Yeah, I think season three was my favorite, but watching season one and, like, all of this other stuff, my my first thought, and you can laugh at me for this, I was like, this is an elaborate prank pulled by Joseph from Creep. <laughs> it did have similar vibes to yeah. Creep. Like, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. atmosphere of this is so... I don't know how, like, just... Well, found footage is very intimate and so, Yeah, intimate. mm -hmm. It's kind of, like, ambient, too. Like, Mm -hmm. not a lot really happens unless you're paying attention, which, um, 
kind of gave me like similar vibes to Skinamarink, which was also made by mm. someone who got his start making analog horror films on YouTube. So that makes sense. And I think that like a lot of like criticisms toward this this series are similar to the criticisms people have of Skinamarink of like it's too long, nothing happens, which valid criticisms um it just kind of depends like on I guess your mileage for that kind of thing. For mm-hmm. me personally, I don't mind it. Like I'm willing to invest time in a series if I feel like the payoff is going to be worth it. Yeah. So yeah. that doesn't bother me, but I understand how it could bother some. Um I do think that the series was a little bit too long, but I also might be biased because we were cramming, like, trying to finish yeah. this so that we could do the podcast. Uh, like, this was, we definitely did not watch this the way it was intended, where it's supposed to come out, like, on yeah. a, on a, like, a specific schedule, like, a single video a day, or, yeah, like, a single say, video a week, or whatever. The ideal way to watch this, and if I were to watch it again, I think I would just watch one episode a day, and really mm-hmm. take time to... Mm-hmm absorb it and think about it um maybe analyze the background a little bit yeah the way so i would yeah. definitely like to revisit the series mm-hmm. and like kind of take it slower and really delve into it yeah the way that i originally watched it was like weekends in a dorm room with all the lights off um mm-hmm. that we'd watch like a couple hours a night of it um, and it was really fun because it was like, um, you know, we have uh, on our campus, there's like a little convenience store snack bar thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'd like, you know, go there and grab our snacks and stuff and then go back to the dorm room and turn off all the lights and we'd put on uh, wherever we stopped in the uh, in the playlist and we'd sit there and watch it. And um, like in between episodes or videos when we needed like bathroom breaks or whatever we'd sit there and be like okay so in the last to the arc video they had like this and they said this um the one i really remember talking about was there's a to the arc video that shows footage of it's like home footage of one of alex's birthday parties from when he was a kid and they keep putting the operator symbol over alex's face um and after that video, uh, one of the group that we were watching with needed to take a bathroom break. So we were sitting there talking. We were like, that, like, the operator has chosen Alex even from when he was a kid. Like, he's been, we've been looking at all of this as, like, now. But all, it's actually, like, and we would just discuss and talk about it and all this stuff. I also remember one time, uh, the dorm we were watching it in, the guy's roommate was this really tall, lanky dude. And so he, at one point, <laughs> scared us because he had a... It was one of the, like, porches, dorm room with a porch. He went mm-hmm. out. He was like, hey, guys, I'm going to go get some snacks. Uh, I'll be right back. And he leaves. And then after a little bit, we're sitting there, and we're, like, invested. So we're like, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, there's Slenderman. Oh, my gosh. And I turn, and I look, and it's nighttime, so the only light that's coming in is from the porch. And it's, like, the the French doors that you can see through. And so all I see is this, like, Slenderman-shaped shadow standing there. I freak out. That's amazing. (laughs) And the people I were with, like, turned over. One of them 
she looks over and she's like, ah, oh my gosh, ah. And then he walks <laughs> in and he's like, sorry guys, I forgot my keys. And the other guy, the guy whose dorm we were in was like, yeah, I texted him to do that to scare you guys. <laughs> of course. Oh my so, God, I love that. I feel like Slenderman was either the best or the worst thing to happen to your tall friends. Because we also <laughs> had a night where we hung out at this my friend he had this huge house it was basically a mansion and we had a really tall friend who had the same build as slender man and he had the jumpsuit so he we would turn off all the lights in the house and then he would dress up as slender man and then he would have to we would all go through the house and spread out and he had to like tap us all one at a time until there was only one person left and that person <laughs> survived slender man that's so uh, funny it was like hide and seek but creepy scary yeah i i love that yeah so what what is your thoughts on marble hornets um they're mixed i'm not gonna lie i don't want to be the last person to speak on this subject because like one i respect it i respect this series a lot i respect the people who love it I think i'm kind of on board with the i wish i had watched it when it came out i think that Mm -hmm. was such a unique and such a special experience to like discuss and have these theories rather than the way I viewed it, which was like cramming it like it was for an exam. And then like after a while, I started to notice similar beats and similar things in videos that I think I wouldn't have minded as much if it was more spread out. But after video after video of watching shaky cam pointed at the ground in the woods, I was kind of, the fear was kind of gone after mm-hmm. around the 47th video. <laughs> and I was very interested in the mystery, but I did notice because they were padding the runtime and I wonder if they were building in time for themselves to like get to the next mystery beats. I did notice like, oh, we're back at the hotel again. Oh, this is going to be the part where he drops the camera and forgets everything. This is going to be the part where the Slender Man shows up and I don't know what he does, but he does, he does something. <laughs> oh, this is in the video is creepy. And I just noticed those beats repeating and I, yeah, I did get a little glazed over. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But when Tim, they still did things that I, I really think plot wise were very smart. I think they mm-hmm. used the most of their budget, which I assume was a nickel. Um, <laughs> I think they used their uh, their space incredibly well. Like the tower is such a memorable location, the burnt out hospital, mm-hmm. the, the campus. Oh, yeah. Like, I don't know how much of this was legal, but I don't care because they, they did such a good job. Like that tunnel is iconic. Uh, the sewers are iconic. Again, I think if I had just spread this out more, I would fucking adore this series and think the world of it. Um, at the moment, having just finished what I thought was every video, but I guess not. There's more. <laughs> I'm kind of exhausted and I yeah. think I need a break and I don't know if I'd revisit it, but I want to hear people talk about this series forever. I find the pe- like reading the comments was one of my favorite parts of I- enjoying this experience. It made me feel mm-hmm. like I was back in 2013 and having that experience Lissa described, that's ideally what I would want. But yeah. as for me personally, I don't know if I got a lot of terror out of it. I I don't know if that experience missed me. But I really respect it and I'm glad it exists and it influenced yeah. so much of horror. And I want to listen to the fandom forever. But me personally, I'm kind of like, oh my god, if I have to watch them throw the camera into the ground one more time. <laughs> the fact that I looked up Marble Hornets once on YouTube and then uh, half of my shorts um, that have been like 
being recommended to me are Tim edits in the day, the year of our Lord, 2023. <laughs> like, yeah. No, wow. and I do love Tim. I love Tim so much as a character. He's, like that part really hooked me back into it when I was yeah. kind of like, oh my God, if he is he back at the hotel again? What is Jessica doing here? And then I, Tim showed up I'm like, I give a shit. Let's talk about ex- Tim. And exactly. then they realized that and they rolled with Tim's story. It's one of those mm-hmm. things too that I think really like really hits uh after you finish it because it's like oh yeah throughout it like of course you're connecting with jay because he's whose eyes you're seeing the entire thing through and of course you hate alex because alex is trying to kill you the entire time but like (laughs) it's it's really interesting to watch and be like oh season two brian and tim are working together as hoodie and masky but in season three they kind of break up because brian's like oh, you've been dealing with this and you didn't tell us about it? And I can't believe you would do that. You brought this here. And then hearing Tim's little hospital rant of like, oh, you didn't know that you were carrying this with you like a disease. You just kind of was hoping it would go away and not affect other people. So can we really actually blame you? It really helps to like, Oh, you are just a poor little meow meow. And I want to put you in a blanket and <laughs> give you another- tea. <laughs> that was actually another subplot I really did kind of respect about this film is like Tim is the one who is shown to have the most symptoms of mental illness mm-hmm. and he manages it so well and he's the character you like and care about the most. Um, yeah. And I don't think that's common actually. Usually in horror media the person with the mental illness is either treated as like othered or should be dangerous and and tim has his moments but overall i feel like this the impression you get of tim from this series is you love him because he accepts these things and he figures out ways to manage it and he helps other people manage it too like when Mm -hmm. um jay starts to show symptoms um he's like man we got to get you help we got to get some medicine we got to go see a professional and like that is such a healthy way to view dealing with this problem and by the end it's kind of like it reminds me of the babadook of like you can't just banish it but you can manage it and yeah, i kind of like i actually that. I, I, I actually really like really Tim's narrative. that theming yeah his uh his his story overall is the one that i got invested in just because like i have been there i felt like everything was my fault and yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was pleasantly surprised by his story, because, like, I was a little bit worried when he reveals his backstory of, oh, I was in an asylum for years, and it's like, that's such a typical thing for horror movies, of, like, this, ooh, came from the asylum, scary, <laughs> and, like, especially schizophrenia really asylum. gets- asylum. Like, schizophrenia in particular gets really, um- stigmatized Mm -hmm. and portrayed very badly in a lot of horror movies and Mm -hmm. um but i i do think that they i I wouldn't say like i don't think they handled it as good as they could have but i think for Mm. a youtube series from 2010 it's a lot better than it all it could have been and i i agree with you guys i think that at the end like in the end, you become more sympathetic towards him. Mm-hmm. The fact that... Yeah, and even though... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say, the fact that in the end, when we find out Jessica is alive, we find out she's alive through Tim being like, hey, you're going to experience this, and here's the doctor that I go to, and here's the medication you want to try and get on, and like, here's how you can manage it, because it'll not go away, but you can manage it. 
I've been going through it. I would like to help. Yeah. He even yeah. he doesn't even tell I mean, her that Jay's uh, dead. He tells her that Jay's gone so that he can like spare her feelings for that cuz she didn't even she, she didn't know Jay that much but she did spend 7 months in a hotel with him. Mhm. So. Yeah. Um yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I think that like you know, that can also be like a nice thing to hear for I mean the series was watched by a lot of teenagers. So I think if you are a teenager struggling with mental health that is a nice thing to hear of like mm-hmm. it's possible to get through this and it's okay to depend on other people to help you especially if they have experience with something similar i i i think that could be really comforting mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah and it's also like another way to look at it like the more um you know tim managed his condition the more he got the proper meds he needed the more he saw his doctor the more he was able to stand up to the operator. And then mm-hmm. I just think that's, one that, that was I... really good. Even uh, Go ahead. I didn't mean to. Oh, uh, I was just going to say, as opposed to someone like Alex, who kind of takes the typical machismo stance of trying to deal with this thing of like, I bought a gun and uh, it does not work. And it almost destroys no. everything and everyone. Whereas Tim tried so hard to communicate with everyone and Jay kind of tried to go it alone, and that didn't work out either. So it's I think this is why Tim is probably the most beloved by the fan base, and why he ends up being our final protagonist, because yeah. uh, he takes these qualities that most people look down on and adapts it into himself. And you know what? Despite me kind of being a little tired of the shaky cam, that's not something I see in a lot of media, much less from very young adults in the 2010s, which is the yeah. most easy time to be an asshole. And they, they, I, I was moved by Tim's story. So I, yeah. kudos. If I recall correctly, I Tim is the only one that actually physically approaches the operator with the intent to remove him from the situation and then has no bad effects happen. Because when mm-hmm. it's when Jay gets knocked down after they uh, mm-hmm. go to that one house and Tim, like, who has already taken his meds, um, we know the meds do suppress it, but he, you know, is there with Jay, the operator appears, and then he stands up and walks towards the operator and is like, get out of here, you have to leave now. And then the operator just goes and nothing bad happens. Going back to the thing with Tim and Alex, I I quite like them as narrative foils and like the ways that they deal with things being so different and yeah, that was a good bit of storytelling. Mm-hmm. It's very good. Mm-hmm. I just have a lot of love for Marvel Hornets. Yeah, pivoting a little bit in a different direction, uh, one of the things I appreciated a lot about the series was just like the effects work. Mm-hmm. Like, every time mm. the operator shows up, like, the effects on that are so good. Yeah. Do you know how they did that? I also that? liked all the, like, Didn't how? they put pantyhose on their head? Uh, well, I mean, <laughs> like, the, uh, the tearing, the visual tearing and stuff like that. I know I, oh. I had heard a thing of, like, at some Q&A they talked about, um, they were using an earlier version of Sony Vegas that knew had known glitches, and so they just took advantage of those glitches when um, rendering their videos out. 
That is oh really God. cool. Interesting. Yeah. That's really Again, my respect ingenuitive. through the roof. I know. I was yeah. like, that was one of the things I was like, the the way, the fact that these kids were like, okay, how do we make this footage look 50 shades of fucked up? Okay, here, we'll just take advantage of, <laughs> take advantage of shitty I, Well, not only that, the, the blocking, too, had to mm-hmm. have been so specific, but also required so much improvisation, especially towards the end when people are, like, following each other in and out of buildings, mm-hmm. and the blocking and pacing is so important, and I, I really respect it. The um, mm-hmm. entry number 23, I think, is... Like, where you can really see them starting to think through the, like, okay, so this is how we can use the, like, camera and the fast camera movements and the shaky camera movements to our advantage here. Because that's the one where he goes to the house um, and starts having all the, like, temporal and spatial shifting happen, where he, like, goes into the room upstairs and then comes out and it's nighttime instead of daytime and and he goes into a different door and it's the same room and all that stuff mm-hmm. and i think that's really where they start taking advantage of like okay the way that we film this can kind of lend itself to making these weird edits so that we can do these funky things with the storytelling mm-hmm. yeah yeah I really liked the To The Ark videos and, like, the way that they, um, there was one, it was, like, I think a picture of Alex that they had ripped up and it was, like, kind of JPEG-y and, like, looked very, like, computer-generated photo, um, but I I really liked the way that they, like, ripped the photo up in that, in that one specifically and, like, something about it reminded me of the way that, um... Like when Undertale came out, the um they had like some effects during one of the like final fights that kind of were similar to that. And I feel like that's another thing that kind of draws people in is like the uh, the effects work on it being like I don't know something about it appeals to teenagers just the way that it looks weird. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all of this cipher cool. and like teenagers aren't afraid to it. To admit that, <laughs> yeah, like they like cool aesthetics. I feel yeah. like sometimes, oh, yeah. as adults, we get caught up, especially after having been to film school, of like, well, is it style over substance though, and like over analyzing things. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes we do need to just embrace our inner teenager of like, yeah, that looks cool. Yeah, that looks cool as fuck. Let's do that. Yeah, I, I think there's joy in that, and mm-hmm. that's. Oh yeah, that is what I enjoyed about this series, and um, it gave me a lot of nostalgia for this time period. And I think that definitely it cannot be stated enough how influential this was oh, yeah. on the horror genre. And oh yeah, opened the gates. I mean, analog horror was already kind of a thing, but this really opened the gates for more analog horror. And now mm-hmm. we're seeing just a bunch of different series like this Mm -hmm. and um some of the creative things people have done i mean we talked we did an episode earlier this year about gemini home entertainment and just like these different creative ways people have gone about telling an interactive story that is and um that is one thing i was gonna say is 
I am so happy that you've opened the door to YouTube horror for this podcast because I think there's <laughs> so many really interesting like analog and digital horror things coming out of YouTube right now um, that are just like so innovative for the horror genre of like, oh, that's really something mm-hmm. interesting to think of. Like there's uh, one that I, I know I've brought up to you guys I would absolutely love to cover um, that I think is really interesting because it's not necessarily horror in a traditional sense in my mind. It's not like, ooh, spooky, scary, ha, ha, ha. It's like, hey, this is theoretically just like clips and information from the U.S. in an entirely different dimension. And here's just a, like, look into what happened in a different timeline and stuff like that. And it's, like, it's really cool. And I think that there's a lot of, like, I've also seen stuff online of, like, people um, creating like fake games and their like introduction to this series is like oh yeah I used to play this game all the time when I was a kid you've never heard of it let me show you and it turns out to be this entire thing like ah, I mm-hmm. love what has been coming out of the YouTube alternate reality horror stuff I just love like the ARG stuff online in general um Same. Just, like, anything that's, like, kind of interactive and, like, you know, they're like, oh, here's here's some things we're going to show you. Now you got to look them up and see what they mean. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. it allows the viewer to become a participant. And yeah. I think that is so cool. And I think that's kind of the way of the future. And uh, this is why I view video games as an art form. Because oh, yeah. you are participating in the story by playing the game. And I think that like there have been some video games that really take advantage of that Mm -hmm. and play with that idea in a very creative way. Undertale, for example, is one of them where like the way you play the game affects the ending you get and Mm -hmm. affects the different outcomes. And I think that's really cool. And I think that opens up a potential for all of this amazing art and I think that all the I think the part of the appeal of all of this stuff that's coming out of YouTube is that it is so different from the things we see in Hollywood because mm-hmm. ultimately that is profit driven, even if there are a lot of people who care very greatly about the things they are creating at the end of the day, you know you still have a production studio that's wanting you to turn a profit, and so sometimes mm-hmm. creative choices get overruled in favor of well, let's play it safe let's do this to try to make our money back mm-hmm. but with this kind of stuff on youtube the goal isn't really to make money the goal is just to tell a good story yeah. and to engage people and so you're getting all of this really creative and weird and experimental stuff and some of it doesn't work like there's elements of marble hornets that didn't quite work for me but for every single part of it that didn't work, there was something else that I found really intriguing and mm-hmm. cool. It's it's also really... And it feels... Sorry, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Okay, I was going to say, it's also really interesting because in in Hollywood movies, you can see the, like, 
here's where we're playing it safe. Like, as much as I love Insidious, I'm always going to laugh at the demon from Insidious because it looks like Darth Maul's cracked out cousin. Um, but, <laughs> but you also get, like, within the YouTube stuff, unless they've made the full story beginning to end, you can also see them, like, dropping, like, picking up plot threads and then immediately dropping them. Like, I know in Marble Hornets, one of the things they were going to do is there's two references to a character that we never get to see, um, which is Skelly. And Skelly was supposed to be Jay's version of the masky state or the hoodie state. But um, they, like, they picked up the plot thread. They had, um, on Twitter, there's a thing where uh, Jay tweets and was like, I went to sleep in that hotel room and I woke up in the back of my car at Rosswood Park. And then it takes him, like, two weeks to go, oh, yeah, I'm leaving. Okay, I'm back to my hotel room. Um, And that was supposed to be him being in the skelly state, but they dropped that plot thread, like, almost immediately. And so it's interesting to see, like, these things that could have gone somewhere and then didn't go anywhere versus Mm -hmm. a, like, fully sanitized finished product that we have made for profit. Here you go. Buy your tickets. Mm-hmm. So there's an element of risk in something like this that isn't as yeah. I mean, there's an element of risk in any movie you make, but like this is even more risk because you know you don't have any charts, you don't have access to like you have access to the people directly because you are the people. So it's mm-hmm. it's much it, more it, raw and visceral. There's also a uh, a a feeling of realism there because then like. It's just something that kind of happens and then, you know, you don't get an explanation for it. And that's just kind of how life works sometimes. Yeah. And it just makes it feel more realistic. Yeah. And also, I kind of, even if I have the criticism of like, yeah, I felt like it went on a little too long. They'll be like, well, we didn't lose any money or attention. It still seemed to grab people's minds and imaginations. And I think its core goals were achieved of um, mm-hmm. impacting people's imagination and fear. Um, so, bleh, who cares? Yeah. I think yeah. in that idea of like this versus Hollywood, I'm very, very interested now to watch the movie that came out in 2015 because this was oh, that was yeah. the guys from this selling the rights to the movie and they had no hand in it at all. And apparently it's bad. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I I, I did not know it had that. a movie. Oh yeah, it ha- yeah. like I said, it has literally nothing to do with the web series except that it's Slenderman and it's called Marble Hornets. Also, this has some of that Evil Dead's inspiration of filmmaking, where like I imagine they just threw themselves in a creek. I imagine they just broke into places. I imagine they just oh, really yeah. whacked place things with crowbars. And like while I can't legally condone anything like that god i respect the fuck out of it like that's filmmaking that's artistic integrity like you're going out and you're 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 putting yourself on the line for your art and i really like kudos to them after having graduated doing the damn thing yeah after having graduated film Mm -hmm. school i was watching that and uh specifically the first time he goes to the house from season one brian's old house i was like 
I wonder if one of them like owned that house and was like in the process of moving, and so they were just like, eh, "We'll mess it up a little. We'll we'll overturn <laughs> tables and stuff." Or, like how they light that one house on fire. Right, I was like, "Can you literally just like light your front porch on fire, dude? Like, what's happening here?" <laughs> so, yeah, I would love to see more. I know there online there is some stuff like about the making of the series and behind the scenes. So, I'd love to investigate more of that in the future because I think that side of it's really interesting. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. I know they did a lot of Q and A panels at conventions and stuff, and then they've each done their own like twitch stream q a stuff since then so mm-hmm. it's i'm very interested to see what they all have to say about stuff because i know i know one of the things i saw was a clip from one of those q a things uh because that was when they were talking about who the original to the arc member is um uh it was somebody at a convention going okay who is to the arc because like i know it just ended but like who I still can't figure it out. And they all went, well, we have an idea of who we think it is, but we're not going to tell you because we want you guys to just, like, <laughs> decide who you think it is because we're intentionally leaving it open-ended. <laughs> oh, those gremlin mm-hmm. men. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Love that. Well, uh, does anybody have any last thoughts? I adore Marble Hornets. It's one of my favorite um, YouTube horror things. I think it was the thing that got me into the YouTube alternate reality, mixed reality uh, horror stuff. Um, It was at the very Mm -hmm. least what made me seek out more of it. It's how I found uh, channels that cover those kinds of things um, on YouTube. I, I don't know if I can say that here and give them free publicity or like what, but... Sure. Yeah. yeah, give shout outs. Um, I mean, I was going to recommend a few videos too, so, so absolutely give shout outs. So how I said I watched season one and then just watched recaps uh, for the others because I've seen Marble Hornets so many times. Um, Nightmind. Nightmind's recap videos. Yeah. It's, That's who I thought you were going to say. Like, <laughs> like baby Nightmind because it was like eight years ago when he posted them, but um, like mm-hmm. the that's where I got like a good chunk of my information from of like, oh yeah, that analysis does really make a lot of sense here and stuff like that. Not that I hadn't come mm-hmm. to those conclusions already, but it was like, oh, I like the way you phrased this analysis. Um, but like Nightmind and uh, Nightmare Expo, Nexpo, um, those channels. Yeah, I love yeah. Nexpo. Uh, Sagan Hawks, I think is the name of the YouTube channel. Sagan Hawkins? I don't remember. Um, yeah, those... I watched that one while I was at work today, and I thought it was a really good recap. Yeah, the, those channels specifically yes. really have, like, expanded my um, horror, like, YouTube horror uh, vision, I guess. I like I I know mm-hmm. of a lot more stuff now because of those channels. Highly recommend like if you're in the market for like getting your toes wet uh in that stuff, those guys they'll give you and they're really good about like oh, here's like the original stuff so you can go watch it yourself, but like here is a breakdown of this. Um and that really like Marble Hornets really led me into that kind of stuff. So I hold marble hornets in a very high regard because of things like that Mm -hmm. yeah 
Um, my recommendation, and I brought this up on the last episode, but I'm bringing it up again. Strange Aeons, one of my favorite YouTubers. Love her. Who talks about internet culture as a whole, specifically mostly Tumblr, but like also she also does just YouTube videos about like other internet history stories and fandom history. So she put out a video recently called How Slenderman Became Real. And it kind of talks about like the creation of Slenderman and then like how um, a lot of fans like responded to this. And um, it's just a really good, solid video. Recommend. Oh, yeah. Um, so thank you so much for joining us and for recommending this series. Of course. And we will definitely have you back to talk about the Marble Hornets movie. So I am very excited. Derogatory. Exactly. <laughs> I was like, I'm excited to see how much of a shit show that thing is. Yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. some of the guys have- from the Marble Hornets YouTube channel said like, hey, don't watch it when it came out. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> you know what? Yeah. Ugh, truly. Um, I do have one question, though, that I don't think the series um, resolved, and I am kind of irked about it. Do you think it was Brian who changed? Or was it his hometown? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man, but he's been acting weird ever since he got back. Do you know anything about that? <laughs> <laughs> we just don't know. <laughs> we just don't know, but I do know that his girlfriend... His ex-girlfriend was his secret, his best kept secret, <laughs> and he wonders maybe she's changed. <laughs> also, uh, Justice, I do kind of wish they had made the student film so I could watch. Same. Somebody made a fan project yeah. of it. Like, yeah, they they made a fan <gasps> version of yes. the actual Marble Hornets student film. Iconic. So that makes me so happy. Also, my parting words are justice for Seth's dog. I can't believe Alex wouldn't let him bring him on set. Right? <laughs> no, they yeah. brought his dog to set. That's the first of the injustices oh, no. uh, per- perpetrated by Alex Crayley. Your favorite, right? No, the girl like brought Alex her dog Crayley. to set. <laughs> Wouldn't um, let the girl bring her dog to set. Killed a bunch of people. <laughs> was really mad about it. Died. <laughs> also, we never so, found Amy. That's on his tombstone. Yeah. Okay, that was actually the biggest thing that bugged me. It's like you never find out what happened to Amy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> She's just Jessica's there the entire rest of the time, but what the fuck happened to Amy? <laughs> my my theory like, is that Alex, Alex killed Amy. Oh, probably. Yeah, I think so too. Did yeah. Alex was Alex dating Amy? Because there was a bit where like a yeah. woman's playing yes. with the camera. Yes, that was Amy. Okay, that's what I thought. Okay, good, 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 yeah. good. Yes. Yeah, she's dead. Yeah, she's definitely dead. That man has serial yeah. killer energy. 100%. Yeah. He was like, you know too much, and just killed her outside the house <laughs> immediately after that. Yep. So, Lissa, while you were here, do you have anything that you would like to promote? Um, I sporadically stream on Twitch. It's I've been going through a lot of stuff mm-hmm. the past few months, so I, I haven't been on lately, but, you know... It, I'm also still going through some stuff s- still, but you know, once I get life figured out, I'll probably be back on Twitch. Um, and uh, mm-hmm. do you like professional wrestling? 
because a friend of ours I sure and do. I are uh, <laughs> starting up. We're not exactly sure when it's going to start up, but I'll give you guys that information. Uh, we're starting up a pro wrestling podcast. So yeah, we'll definitely oh, yeah. promote. Yes. We'll definitely promote that. Thank you. So I am ready to rumble with your podcast. Me too. Heck yeah. Me as well. Yeah. Our, the, oh, yeah. our main focus will be um, specifically indies stuff. Because uh, my favorite wrestler yeah. is a guy who is a he's on the majors now, but he was a total indie darling. Um, and I love him, Your Honor. I love him, and I just want to talk about everything he did in the indies. So, yes. Um, side note: nice. the operator would be a really cool wrestling name. But you're yeah. you're so right. What if the Slayer <laughs> Man was a wrestler? Oh my I think god! That's his true he doesn't yeah. say anything. I think he doesn't say anything. He just walks out to the ring, and then the camera starts glitching out, and then suddenly he's one. Yeah. <laughs> Someone correct me if I'm wrong, but you know, I think Dead Meat might have put Slender Man in there. They like did that. Um, a wrestle royal rumble thing where they put all the horror characters in it oh and they God. all fought each other i feel like slender man got in there i love that yeah i love that that's fantastic <laughs> well if you want to keep up with chainsaw matinee you can follow us on basically on all social media twitter tumblr instagram tiktok chainsaw matinee on all of those things we also have a patreon if you feel like supporting us financially, we always appreciate it. Do it. They're and, really cool. Uh, yeah, we we recommend um, go and check out Marvel Hornets. Mm-hmm. Maybe not binge watching all of it in one sitting because that's the, that's a big commitment. Sit down with but your yeah, friends. Go check it out. It's cool. Please don't do that. Sit down with your friends. Turn off yes. all the lights and watch it over a few weekends. Because we yes. did that, yes. and then my friends and the I way, jumped into uh, a video game high school. So. and uh, as always may your nightmares be plentiful